Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the Friday weekend edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Great to be with you right here. I am your host, Gil Martin. And look, uh, we know right now that this uh, suspension of play is going to take a little while, obviously longer than we want. But I want to remind people that there are plenty of things to do uh, that are Islanders related. Uh, during this break in the action, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those and fill you in. We also have a look back at this date in Islanders history, and I want to discuss my nomination, at least, for what probably was the best Islanders team of all time. We'll talk a little bit about what's out there on Twitter and uh, a whole lot more to come on today's show. Again, you have a question, you have a comment, uh, a topic you'd like us to discuss, shoot us an email. The address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and your uh, where you're from, we'll be happy to mention you on the air as we discuss the contents of your email. You can also contact the show on Twitter and follow us on Twitter, the Twitter handle at LockedOnIsles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. And we will always keep you up to date on the latest goings-on around the Islanders. And, of course, the latest uh, every morning when a show is posted. And our shows usually do post just, just after midnight. So they should be available to everybody on their morning commute uh, for those of you who are still commuting during this time. You know, the other thing is, and I've noticed this on Twitter quite a bit, is that Islander fans are there to help other Islander fans. And and I think that's an important thing. And it's important to me, for example, that the Locked On Islanders family of listeners, you know, we all stick together, help each other get through uh, times when a lot of us are stuck in our houses. We have Uh, friends, relatives, uh, people we know who are affected uh, by the virus and maybe who lost their jobs, maybe who, you know, God forbid, are sick or waiting for results of tests. And at at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is Islander fans are always there helping out Islander fans. And that's always a good thing. And and we'll be here uh, each Monday through Friday to help Islander fans deal with this situation and get past it. And and again, 
one of the things I wanted to mention, there is a lot of Islanders-related content out there. NHL Network the other day showed uh, Game 6 of the 1980 NHL Stanley Cup Finals. And that was, uh, of course, Bobby Nystrom's overtime winning goal at the Coliseum. Uh, and, that you know, it was great to see that game once again and to see some of those players out there on the ice. Last night, Thursday night, NHL Network showed the 1981 uh, Stanley Cup clinching game. And, and again, second uh, championship in a row for the Islanders and and. Great to see those players performing at their best. And if you go to the NHL's website, you'll see a number of Islanders-related video and things that are available, including, you know, NHL Network going to show those Stanley Cup final games. They show them usually throughout the offseason. If you go to YouTube, for example, a lot of full games out there. For people to watch, uh, I came across, for example, Game 6 of the uh, Islanders-Panthers playoff series, and we talked a little bit about that the other day, where, you know, John Tavares scores in double overtime, Islanders win their first playoff series since 1993, so, you know, there are games out there and other things, documentaries, for example, uh, the the documentary Fort Never Lose, which was produced by the NHL Network uh, to discuss the Islanders and the Nassau Coliseum when the Islanders were leaving the Coliseum for what many people thought was going to be the last time. So, you know, there are plenty of Islanders-related items out there. And, uh, you know, great to see. Uh, And highlights galore as well. One thing I found that I thought was really interesting. There is a 51-minute-plus video. Quality of the video is okay. Not great, but good enough to watch. The 1979 Rangers-Islanders playoff series. All the goals from that six-game series. And yeah, the Islanders fell short in that series, and it was frustrating as heck. But again, that people forget how good that 1978-79 Islanders team really was. Points-wise, that team still remains the second highest uh, point total in Islanders history. And when you think about it, that's better than three of the four Stanley Cup winning teams. And back then, you know, you didn't get a point for losing in overtime or losing in a shootout. So, you know, you had ties, I guess, back then, but it was harder to accumulate points. And, you know, that 78-79 team had a better record than the Montreal Canadiens, who won their fourth straight Stanley Cup at the end of that season. And, you know, watching them on the ice again was just enjoyable, even though that series did not end in, in in a positive way for the New York Islanders. And there's lots of other quality Islanders content out there. MSG, for example, has posted the Butch Goring retirement ceremony. Uh, you know, uh, there's a game from 2011 between the Islanders and the Penguins. Uh, 
plenty of fights if you're a, a an Islanders fight fan and you want to go back and look at some of you know the great fights from the 70s, 80s, 90s, even through till today. You can go back, take a look at those. There's a full game from uh, between the Islanders and the Oilers from March of 1988. Uh, just a lot of different Islanders-related content on YouTube alone and on you know the NHL website, the NHL network, the NHL app. So yeah, it's not easy, but there is still a lot of Islanders-related content out there. And it's great to watch and listen to, and it does keep us going during this stoppage. If you have a favorite Islanders video available that you'd like to share with our listeners, again, please email the show and let us know. So, uh, Islander fans always helping Islander fans. All right, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Islanders is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Islander fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, but a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Islander fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated and has disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Just text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com dot com slash advertising we look forward to hearing from you you know one more note i wanted to bring up there were lists being circulated uh after the nhl shut down because of the coronavirus and you know those lists included teams that were continuing to pay their arena staff and then you know teams that were not continuing to pay their arena staff during this stoppage in in live games taking place and you know the islanders were obviously on the list of teams that were not paying their staff but you know what there there is an explanation for that first of all as most of you fans know the islanders split their games between the nassau coliseum and the barclay center but the fact of the matter is they don't run either arena. And so, you know, the the Nassau Coliseum, for example, uh, is not run by or owned by the Coliseum. It's owned by Nassau County. The operator of the arena uh, is called One uh, or Onyxim, or Onyxim, not sure how to pronounce it, O N E. XIM is the name of the uh, company that runs it, and it really is up to them whether or not to pay the employees. Now, I guess in theory, the Islanders could make some kind of a contribution toward that, but they're not obligated to do it. It's a very different situation than, let's say, Madison Square Garden, which is run by the Dolan family, uh, 
and they also own the Rangers. Uh, so the, the Islanders are in a very different set of circumstances, and their appearance on that uh, list should not really change the way fans view Scott Malkin and John Ledecky. They have been, uh, since taking over as ownership, you know, one thing, and, and I am very often one of the first to criticize owners for the things they're not doing and and the way they're running teams. But Malkin and Ledecky, first of all, everybody I know who has spoken to them, who has dealt with them, they really do care about this team. They have spent money on this team. They have improved the relationship between the Islanders organization and the alumni, which at different times has been strained, and that is a very positive thing. They have kept the team here in New York, arranged for a new arena. So, you know, overall, to me, the present ownership of the New York Islanders, definitely uh, a very positive uh, group, and, and I just, you know, just don't think that the fact that the Islanders are not paying the people who work at the Nassau Coliseum or at the Barclay Center uh, should reflect negatively on the team. So overall, uh, just wanted to make that clear so that Islander fans are aware of uh, of what's what's behind some of those stories where you see which teams were paying their arena staffs and which teams were not. Also, by the way, you know, always good to keep up with some good news that's going on in and around the world of the Islanders. And I uh, wanted to wish congratulations to the Eberly family, Jordan Eberly uh, and his wife, Lauren. Welcome a new baby uh, born earlier this week, Collins Roddick Eberly, seven pounds, 14 ounces. So a, a baby girl. For Jordan Eberly and uh, hopefully mom, dad, and baby are all doing well and basically keeping healthy and safe uh, during this difficult time. And yeah, I, it would be very tough to to have a child at this time when everything is so restricted. Although, you know, you're not supposed to take a newborn outside very much to begin with in the first few weeks of their lives. But all, all discussion aside, congratulations to the Eberly family and uh, best of luck to them and to uh, their new daughter. So uh, some good news going on out there as Collins Roddick Eberly uh, checks in and joins the Islanders family. One other thing, some of the Islanders players and coaches have basically been putting out messages through social media. Captain Anders Lee put one out yesterday. Uh, the other day, Barry Trotz also released a video on social media, and it, it, it's basically a thank you to the fans. It reads, hello everyone, just want to thank everybody for their support this year. Couldn't be prouder of the Islanders and the Islander family. Everyone stay safe, listen to our leaders, and practice your social distancing, and hopefully we'll see you back in the rink in a short time. These are unprecedented times, and we want to make sure that everybody is safe. So, nice little message right there from the head coach of the Islanders to the fans, 
And uh, just another one of those ways that the Islanders and the NHL are trying to keep the connection they have with their fans going strong during this very strange and difficult time. All right, we're going to take a step out. We are going to return with this date in Islanders history, plus a lot more. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We go back to March 20th, 1988. Islanders travel to the Winnipeg Arena to face the Winnipeg Jets. And, uh, you know, not a lot of games against Western teams, so we'll try to squeeze this one in. Billy Smith in goal for the Islanders. Eldon Pokey Reddick in goal for the Winnipeg Jets to start this one out. And in the first period, the Islanders got on the board quickly. Brad Lauer nails his 15th goal of the year. Dale Henry and Kenny Morrow with the helpers. And the Islanders took a quick one to nothing lead. In the second period, the Islanders add to their advantage. At 12.01, Brent Sutter gets his 23rd from Tomas Janssen, and it's 2 to nothing in favor of the Islanders. Then Randy Wood adds to the Islanders' lead. He reaches his 20th goal of the year. Brian Trottier and Steve Conroy get the assists at 16.54, and after 40 minutes, it was the Islanders' 3 and the Jets, nothing. In the third period, all Islanders. First, Dennis Potvan, his 17th from Gerald Diddick and Richard Crom at 3.59, and it was 4 to nothing Islanders. And then the Islanders had a power play opportunity with Mario Marwa off for hooking at 8.15. The Islanders get the man advantage, and they take advantage. Dennis Potvan, his second of the game, 18th of the year, from Pat LaFontaine and Derek King, and the Islanders' lead was five goals at that point. The Islanders put the icing on the cake later on in the third period. Brent Sutter, his 24th, from Brad Lauer and Steve Conroy at 13:46. Final score in this one, Islanders 6 Winnipeg Jets, nothing. And, you know, the Islanders only had 25 shots on goal in this game. Billy Smith, meanwhile, made 35 saves to earn the shutout. So Islanders outshot, but thanks to some solid goaltending, they are not even close to outscored. A number of Islanders had three shots on goal to tie for the team lead. They included Steve Conroy. Ken Morrow, and Dennis Potvan. Multiple point games. Conroy had two helpers. Brad Lauer, a goal and an assist. Two goals each for Dennis Potvin and Brent Sutter. So the Islanders skate away with a 6 to nothing win in this one. As far as the plus minuses go, by the way, Dale Henry, Steve Conroy, Brad Lauer, and Brent Sutter all a plus three for the Islanders. Paul McLean was the only Winnipeg Jet who was a minus three in this one. Brad Jones and Mario Marwa each had five shots on goal to lead the Jets, but that obviously was not enough. Islanders, 
who won the division in 1987-88, skate away with a 6 to nothing road win in Winnipeg on this date in Islanders history, March 20th, 1988. All right, so you look at the overall statistics throughout Islanders history, and I was trying to think about, you know, the best team in Islanders history. And not going to, you know, say that this is the definitely the best team, but statistically, this is the team that had the most points, and that would be the 1981-82 Islanders. They won their third consecutive Stanley Cup that year. Al Arbor, the coach, the assistants, Lorne Henning, and then player coach Butch Goring. And the Islanders finished that year 54-16-10. So that gives them 118 points on the season. Mike Bossy, 64 goals and 147 points. Brian Trottier, 50 goals even and 129 points. Trottier, a plus 70 on the season, a very impressive mark. Bossy just behind him at a plus 69. John Tonelli, 35 goals. Clark Gillies, 38 goals. And then other players who topped 20, Brent Sutter, Bob Nystrom, Bob Bourne, Dennis Potvan. Those are all plus 20. Anders Kaller had 18. And the Islanders, again, went on a nice Stanley Cup run to win. And, you know, here's the thing that a lot of people may not remember. Billy Smith, during this season, their third Stanley Cup season, Smitty played 46 games in goal and Roly Melanson, 36. The Islanders learned, especially after that 1978-79 season that I've talked about earlier on the show, they learned to pace themselves during the regular season. And having Billy Smith play only 46 games out of 80 back then was a very smart move because in 19 playoff games, the Islanders, you know, wanted Billy Smith to be sharp and ready to play, you know, his best hockey when it counted the most, and Smith, as we all know, was a money goaltender. In the playoffs, Islanders had 19 games that year. Mike Bossy scored 17 goals in 19 games and had 27 points in 19 games. Brian Trottier, 29 points in 19 games, 23 of them assists. Now, obviously, yes, it was a different era no question about that, but usually in the playoffs, you know, it's tighter checking, less room to maneuver, uh, harder hitting, more defense played, and yet, you know, these Hall of Fame players showing why they were Hall of Fame players, basically because, you know, they raised their game to a different level when it counted the most. All right, that's going to do it for us right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Want to wish everybody a good, safe weekend. Please be careful out there. Wash your hands. 
Don't go out unnecessarily. And uh, again, Islander fans, look out for one another. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Have a great day, everybody. We'll be back Monday with another Locked On Islanders episode. Stay safe and let's go, Islanders.